Hello, and welcome back to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro, a podcast all about the Bible, theology, and all things related to the Christian faith. I am the Ryan half of Ryan and Brian, and this is episode number 61. Today, Brian and I are continuing our series on the book of Ephesians. Last week, we looked at Paul's use of the phrase in Christ in chapter one, and what Christ has provided for the church. This week, we are looking at the first part of chapter two, as we continue to see what Christ has done for the believer. Before we get started, just a quick reminder that you can find us at thebiblebistro.com, on Instagram and Facebook at The Bible Bistro. You can watch us on YouTube as well at Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. If you are watching us there, don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. We've also set up a Patreon account. So if you're enjoying the podcast and would like to support our continued work, you can do that. You can find a link for that in the show notes, but also by going to the website, thebiblebistro.com and clicking on the link at the top. If you can't financially support us, you could also support the Bistro by simply sharing the podcast with others or leaving us a review on Apple Podcast. That helps us as well. All right, let's jump right into our conversation discussing Ephesians chapter two. Hey, Brian, welcome back to the Bistro. Hey, Brian, it's good. It's good to be in the Bistro. I love being in the Bistro. I know. It's every day in the Bistro is a good, a day, good in day in the Bistro. Am I right, Brian? That's exactly right. You know what? That's your favorite let me, famous I, I, phrase. Let me give you serious, man. I know we usually use this time to like chat, but I'm really gratified by the number. It seems like every week we hear from someone else who is appreciating the Bistro. You know, what I said is that we really, the only reason we wanted to do this is hopefully hoping it was useful to to people who may be Sunday school teachers, small group leaders, that kind of thing. And every week we hear from people who are using the the Bistro, Bible Bistro in a number of different ways. Uh, some small groups are listening to it together or Sunday school classes. And we're just, we're gratified that it's useful for people and thankful that people are out there listening to it. So, Yeah. I, I, and I appreciate, I like hearing about the conversations yeah. that are happening. Yeah, exactly. Because of it. Because I think that's the... Yeah. I think that's the thing that you and I talked about is, and it's how it started for you and I was a conversation, right. you know, like I was, I was thinking about this, this topic. And so uh, I think hearing about those conversations and that it's causing right. them for people to think just to, to engage yeah, more. Engage maybe with, with scripture. It. I think yeah, even, engage with scripture. Yeah. yeah it's very important. Um, so yeah, yeah. we're, I, I'm gratified. I know I make just, I usually say just the stupid stuff, but <laughs> yes, we're, I'm gratified or I'm just saying, you know, we all have our say, role, yeah, yeah, we all have good, role right? in the kingdom of God. So. <laughs> yes, my family has designated me the court jester oh, when I was younger. So okay. everybody else had their roles in the court. I he was the, the jester. jester so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Anyway. So <laughs> with that, that said, said. We're, with that said, we're, we are trying to make something again useful this week yeah. for the, for those that yeah. are listening. And so we're going to continue our series on Ephesians. Right. I, well, before we, and before we're we go about, into that, let me say one more thing. I'm really excited okay. too. We've we've just gotten confirmed a couple of uh, interviews that are going to be coming up. Uh, yes. So we're going to be doing this Ephesians series, but we are going to kind of intersperse it with some different things as well. We thought it would be good to kind of have that as the backbone or the structure of what we're doing, and we've heard good response to that. People who are interested in in kind of us going through the book, but then uh, we're, we've got a couple of really interesting uh, interviews. I don't want to say too much, but. A couple of really interesting interviews yes. with people coming first up. First one in the early part of June. Yes. We're going to have yep. one at the first part of June. And then one a couple, probably a couple, two or three weeks later. later but June, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm a, I'm excited yeah. about that as well. Yep. So we're we're gonna continue we through should, Ephesians, should, but we're gonna kind of we should have a contest. You have to guess who we're gonna interview in the bistro. If you get it right, I don't know. We'll buy you a cup of coffee or something. So Ryan will buy you a cup. If of, you get Ryan it right, you can subscribe at Patreon. <laughs> oh, <there you> <laughs> Three months later, you can get a coffee mug. Anyway, that's Very a plug. Cool. That's a shameless plug yeah. that you can support the bistro. But anyway, we're going to continue yeah. today on Ephesians, well, how would, and we're going to Ephesians 2. Okay, let me ask you, okay. Ryan, how would you kind of, if you were giving an outline of what we've talked about so far in Ephesians, we've had three, we had two regular episodes and a bonus episode on, on Ephesians. How would you kind of outline what Paul has said so far in the book? What Paul has said so far in the book is he uh, has shown us what we have in Christ, yep. like that, what Christ has given us. Right. Um, and then in the second part of chapter one, it's about what he's given to the church and what our role is sure. okay. in in the world Very as good. the church and that what he's what he's equipped the church right. with. Right, right. Some of the themes we've seen, he uses this kind of, I, I keep calling it the language of extravagance, uh, some of the repeated words we've seen. What would you say are some of the repeated words we've seen already? Uh the heavenly realms. Right. Heavenlies. Yeah. Big word for inheritance. Ephesians. Inheritance. Yeah. Yeah. Power was um, what I was thinking of. Um, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. So enlightened wisdom. Yeah. 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 Some good, good some stuff. good words there all, all about what, what uh, God's doing now in chapter two, it kind of begins and, and we might expect him to go on because I, I said this before, Paul's going to talk a lot about the church throughout the book of Ephesians. And again, I think in a general sense, because again, I understand Ephesians not to be written specifically uh, to the church in Ephesus, but to, and more generally to the to churches in that area. He's going to talk a lot about the church's role and and uh, what he, what we've been called to. And, and so we might expect him to kind of continue on with that great, you remember how that phrase, if you haven't, by the way, if you haven't listened to the bonus episode, I'll just, I'll just give you this, but um, it ends with this incredible phrase about, um, you know, that talking about Jesus and um, uh, his body, you know, the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Really incredible phrase it ends with. And so we might expect Paul to go on and talk about that, but instead he kind of he kind of takes um, a little bit of a turn here. And, and what I think he's getting at here is to make sure that we understand what we have in Christ compared to where we were before in terms of our state. Uh, and so that's kind of what we begin with in this, in this passage. So I'm just going to read probably the first verse here. Um, as for you, he says, and here again, I'll, I'll, I'll stop here for just a minute. I'm going to come back to this after we get a little bit further. But as I read this, notice the the pronouns, uh, you and we, how it's used again here. There's kind of a change that takes place in here. But as for you, okay. you were dead in your transgressions and sins. So this idea of being dead in transgressions and sins is an interesting idea. Uh, it, it actually goes, it's a metaphor, right? It really, it, it's this idea that we, you know, we're not physically dead. We're not dead in the sense that our bodies are no longer animated, but we're dead in the sense that we are separated from God because of our sin. Uh, and it goes all the way back, I would say, and I never thought about this, that really good commentary I'm reading on Ephesians as I preparing for this. Uh, and, and it's the, it's the, uh, now I need to look at the author. I, I completely forgot the author, <laughs> just like I did my in, in the last Try episode. Two. But uh, yes. it, it's it's the 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 uh, story of God commentary series, which I've really enjoyed every every one of those um, volumes that I've read so far. Um, and, and this one again is a very good one that I'm enjoying. Um, I'll try to look that up later. But uh, 
the point was made that even back in Genesis, where um, God gives the warning to Adam and Eve, if you eat the fruit of the tree uh, of, of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die, right? If you eat it, you will die. Mm-hmm. And his point with there was, it was a metaphor there because they didn't physically die. They died in the sense that they were separated from God. So we talk about spiritual death, we might call it, or a, a metaphor that they were. And here, here's the way I put it. And this helped me when I when I thought about this um, you know, several years ago when I thought, thought about this, that when we are separated from God, we are separated from the source of all life. Uh, in, 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 in some ways, at, at, at the most fundamental or foundational uh, concept of who God is, is he is the creator, right? He's the one who, who is a creator of all things, and he's a creator of all living things. He is the source. God is the source of all life. And in our rebellion— in our sin, when we separate ourselves from God, we're separating ourselves from the source of life, and therefore the result of that is death. I mean, it's just it's 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 a natural thing. It's not like God decreed the death sentence, so to speak, but it is more that we have chosen to separate ourselves from life, and so the consequence of that, when you separate yourself from life, is death. So Paul says, "You were." dead in your transgressions of sin. Jesus says a very similar thing in the Gospels, in the Gospel of John, that that we are dead until we are made alive. So in some ways, we could even say this, as, as human beings now, our default state is death. We, we are spiritually dead until we are made alive in Christ. So he says, you were, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. I, I probably don't need to spend a lot of time on this, but transgression is the idea of stepping outside the boundaries of the law. Sin is a, just a general word for doing those things which are against God's character, against God's nature. When we talked about that in that episode, what is, what is sin? But transgression is literally to transgress us to step outside the boundaries is, is kind of the the fundamental metaphor of what's going on there. So if you think about the boundaries established by law, uh, by rule, to step outside of that is to transgress. So you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And then verse 2 says, in which you used to live. Uh, and by the way, this word, if you look in the Greek, this word here isn't really live. It's the word for to walk. Um the the word for what peripateo is is the idea of to walk around, and and that is used in a way to talk about life. If you t- if we we talk about our walk, you know, our walk of life, even sometimes we'll say it, it's the way that we live. Um, the the Hebrew word halak is the same. It's the word for to walk, and it has the idea of of it, it can be used figuratively for the idea of living, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So the emphasis here Paul's making is that you used to live in this way, right? You no longer live in this way. You were dead, but that's the way you used to be. It, it's it's past tense. No longer the case, but but this is the way that you you used to live. Now, there's three phrases here that are pretty interesting. It says the ways of, and I think the emphasis is here, this world, the ways of this world. Uh, what do you think Paul mm. would be getting at with that that kind of an idea, Ryan? What do you think he's saying? Uh, you know, I think the, the ways of this world is... And I'm going to use maybe like the flesh of like what's okay. going on around them, like sure. what's right in front of them right now, which would not mm, be necessarily right. to their benefit. Right. Always. Either the way God created the world to be or or the world to come. But in this present age is is another 
phrase that Paul sometimes uses for this, or in this world, uh, you, you know, you're living according to those ways. Yeah, you're saying those who are present. You mentioned flesh, and in the very next verse, he'll talk about that, and we'll 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 say a bit more about flesh then. But the ways of this world, and then we talked a little bit about this in our in our bonus episode, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Um, oh, and by the way, I should have said this. I forgot. I forgot to say it when I when I said this present age. Um, that's literally the idea there. This world is is this age is literally the word that's used there. And in fact, if you look at some translations, uh, they may because some people think that he he may be referring specifically here to what in Greek could be a reference to a false god. Uh, and so some, sometimes you'll see that that kind of an idea, but but um, as you live in this this age, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work, and those who are disobedient, um, we talked last time in the bonus episode about this idea of. Um, the, um, the the spiritual forces of evil that Paul talks about in Ephesians, and it seems to be a concern for him uh, in, in this time. So this is, again, that idea. The ruler of the kingdom of the air, uh, the air was seen as a place uh, in the ancient world of kind of demonic activity. That's where the that's where the okay. the demons. That's what I was I was going to ask you about that. It's yeah. like why why the air? Yeah, isn't that interesting? Um, but I yeah. think it, it's that I, kind of an idea. And the other part of it is, is there's no foundation there, right? It's just in 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 the air. But they saw that as kind of the realm of evil spirits. We might use the term or or the fallen angels, if you want to if you want to equate it in that sense. But this this place where evil spirits were active. Um, and, and so the kingdom, uh, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, probably is a reference to to um, Satan or or the devil. Someday we probably need to talk about that because I always I always qualify those terms. Uh, you know, Satan literally is a is a word. Uh, Satanas means the the adversary. Um, you know, the, there's this kind of an idea of. Um, you know, so it's it's really a title more than it is a name, um, and we have all kinds of like in Job when it says the Satan comes yeah, in, the, yeah, the the uh, yeah the the accuser, um, mm-hmm. uh, he, you know, he, he's called Hebrews the accuser of the brethren. You know, there, there's different or the of uh, yeah God's people. Uh, there are different titles that we use to refer to this one who is. Uh, you know, Jesus sometimes will refer to him as the evil one. Uh, that's maybe my favorite way to refer to this particular um, enemy of God's people, an enemy of, of God, the enemy of the plans of God uh, as well, we might say. But this idea of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, uh, Paul calls him elsewhere the ruler of this of this age, right, of this this time. So he is active. Uh, he is he is seeking to thwart the plans of God is, is kind of the idea, the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who now is at work in, and, and literally the sons, the, the, the phrase here is the sons of disobedience. Um, so, so who's, who's now at work in the sons of disobedience? So he he is currently having having um, uh, effects for God's people. I think this can be seen in in that there are those who are still opposed to to the things that God are doing. There's still those who are disobedient. You used to live in this way, but there are still those who are affected by this this disobedience. Sons of disobedience, by the way, would be a great name for a motorcycle gang. But. Um, <laughs> 
You weren't ex- random side note. <laughs> you weren't expecting me to say that, but uh, no, I wasn't. <laughs> but you see what he's describing here. He's kind of describing again. This is your. This was your state. This is how you used to live. And there are still those who are being affected and and and, and who are still being influenced by the this. In Ephesians again, Paul's point is that many of the things that we see going on around us have a spiritual uh, element. Uh, at work in them, that there is a there's a uh, an evil spiritual element at work in them. Let's talk about this just for for a minute, Ryan. Uh, I, we weren't planning on doing this, but I'll go ahead and, and just bring this up. We've been reading a book. Uh, I think we mentioned before Charles Taylor. Um, uh, secular this, age. Yeah, the secular age. And that's one of the points that he, he, he makes is that we live in a time where people don't see the same kind of uh, interaction between the spiritual realm and, uh, and and the whatever you want to call it, the physical it's realm or the you know where we are, and and uh, so it's it's kind of hard when you get to these kind of passages where where we begin to think about them. Um, what do you think? How do you think we need to approach these kind of things? What what are your some of your thoughts, Ryan? When we get to passages about the like spiritual this? things, yeah, yeah. When yeah. we get to these things like the the spirit of the kingdom of the air, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, and the the spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient. So you're thinking like, how do we respond? Like, how should we think about yeah. them as Christians? Today? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I think it's just an acknowledgement that there is still spiritual warfare right. happening. Like it's, you know, it's not, we have not reached the age to come yet. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, it's not, we don't have the the future fulfillment where Satan is, I mean, he's, he is conquered, but when he sure. is dispatched with, um, but that there is still, you know, I think realizing that, he is the Satan is still right. working today to do to create sons of disobedience by sure. gangs. <laughs> Taylor is, um, you know, t- t- one of Taylor. But I think that's hard. But I think that's really hard. And to today, because we also, I think, as we in our world today, it's we almost want to separate. We right. understand everything. We know there's nothing hidden from us. We see all. I mean, that's I think the yeah. spirit of our age is yeah. like we are it, and nothing. The supernatural stuff yeah. was just ignorant man trying to figure out not not unable to understand right. but now we and have we've full advanced, knowledge kind of taylor's making this point we've advanced past yeah, it that, yeah. that's how we feel is that we've and so so people who are who are not believers have a hard time when they come across passages like this i've even in the church taught uh you know when teaching on on things like passages that have i mean passages where jesus is driving out demons and these kind of things and there's some people who really are bothered by that that kind of concept and i think it's because of that kind of um I would call it a scientism or a, you know hyper um, idea that that science has all the answers and therefore uh, the idea of any kind of spiritual explanation has been uh, has been got, done away. Taylor's point really is in in, a, in an earlier time there were many things that we attributed to spiritual forces at work. It, you know, it's kind of a normal everyday thing that you're kind of living alongside this. And that also seems to be the way that P- Paul is describing this. Again, there are things that are happening later. And I mentioned this in, in the bonus episode in, in chapter six, verse 12, he says, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against these, these dominions, against these forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And, and, mm-hmm. and you know, some of the things that we see at work in our world today, I think Paul would uh, attribute to to these spiritual forces, and so it, it's a it's a thing for us to think about as we talk with other people about the Christian faith. But I think it's also something for us to kind of question ourselves 
uh, of where we're where we're how we're thinking about these kind of these kind of things. Also, I guess is what it, what I was yeah, trying to I say. Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, I've had some conversations with other people, but it's just like yeah. even in science, there's an in, inherent, and I, I'm not going to, this is not slamming anyone, like an arrogance that right. we've arrived. Right. You know, and I always say like in 200 years, people will look back at us <laughs> and laugh. as science is advanced and think, and laugh, we, we were yeah. barbarians, and, and that's, you know, in medical, yeah. in medicine or anything else. And that's, um, and, you know, that's kind of, again, his point is that it, it, you know, the way we tell the narrative, it's like we've, like you said, we've arrived in some ways, so. Yeah, yeah, but I think it, you know Paul's bringing us back to this, like that there is there is something happening outside of us, like, and I think that's we live in such a way that you know, and this is what Charles Taylor says, like an imminent, like everything's right in front of us, and so Paul's saying like there's other things happening. I'm going to tell you the other reason this is kind of on my mind, and I'm taking a little bit more here to to think about this is is uh, we're reading another book right now. Uh, I'm not going to say too much about, but someone's giving their testimony about a time when they were. Uh, they would understand separated from from God, and they had this awareness of. Do you remember this idea? We were both reading this book. This idea of things mm-hmm. flying through the air again, yes. and uh-huh. and you know, this author was saying basically, you know, don't know exactly how to understand it, but you know, it seems like these could have been you know evil spiritual forces at work, and so so it just made me think about that that idea of the kingdom of the air again, and that kind of being uh, again from that understanding the. The, the abode of the of the evil evil ones. So yeah. verse three, uh, Paul says that all of us uh, also lived among them at one time. So basically, he's saying that we've all been in this situation. Paul Paul's very clear about this that there is no one who was not in this. Again, death was our default case. That that's where we found ourselves. Uh, no one was in a situation where they were they were right with God. All of us at one point were in this situation. For Paul, I think this is so important. Again, he began the as as you mentioned, Ryan. He began this book with the idea of what we have in Christ, and really what he's getting at is the reason we need that. Um, why why was the work of Christ necessary? Why was it something that that you know needed to happen? And it's because all of us were living in this in this situation, uh, gratifying the cravings of our Flesh. This is the Greek word sarks, uh, gratifying the, the cravings of our flesh and following its desires, meaning the flesh's desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were the, by nature deserving of wrath or objects of wrath. So Paul will often um, uh, con- contrast flesh and spirit or, or the spirit. Uh, for example, uh, in Galatians, uh, he, he talks about the acts of the, of the flesh are obvious. And he talks about, you know, uh, sexual immorality and, and uh, lying and, and, and all these different things. And they said, but the fruit of the spirit, on the other hand, so, so you see that contrast between flesh and um, the acts of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. In chapter mm-hmm. eight uh, of the book of Romans is perhaps the clearest place where Paul talks about this. The mind of the flesh uh, is hostile to God. It cannot do what God desires. I'm kind of paraphrasing that. But the mind, <laughs> the mind of the spirit is 
you know, uh, basically follows God and d- does the things that mm-hmm. God has. So there's always this contrast between flesh and spirit. So here he's talking about we gratified the cl- cravings of the flesh. That is, we gave in to the things that the flesh wants. So we all understand this idea. Of, he uses the term desires and thoughts. We all we all have this understanding of what it means for for cravings, right? Or um, mm-hmm. we, we could use the term temptation here. That's not exactly the word he uses, but the idea of craving or what our flesh desires, what our flesh wants. Um, you know, we can think about this um, in in terms of um, you know desire for uh, for nourishment or or for food. We can think about this as a desire for uh, things that that are also unhealthy for us. You know, uh, sexual desire uh, in in, in uh, unchecked sexual desires. I would suppose I would say, um, you know, these kind of things. In, in, even violence. This idea that there are times that our f- immediate flesh reaction is to want to lash out or to to strike mm-hmm. when we see something that happens that, that's not the way that we want or someone acts in a way against us. So this is the idea that cravings of the flesh is doing whatever it is, whatever it is that our flesh desires us to do. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and we were all in that situation, he says, following its desires and thoughts. Um, kind of the opposite of this is discipline then. Uh, the idea, um, I've heard discipline described as uh, – putting aside what our immediate desires are for a long-term uh, goal. And we can think about that physically. So physically, we we don't always eat everything we want. Mm, mm-hmm. I, I have a, I struggle with that, but... <laughs> nope. I eat, I eat clean, healthy all the time. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, sometimes that short-term craving we have, we want something sweet or we want, you know, something, something to eat... Uh, Discipline is the idea of putting that off with a longer-term goal. And then spiritually, I think it's the same as well. There are things that our flesh craves that are not good for us, uh, and I say physically, emotionally, and spiritually. There are things that will hurt us in all three of those realms if we allow our our craving to be unchecked. Paul says, says elsewhere that people like this have their their stomachs are their gods. And, and what I think he means is that we're following only our appetites, right? Whether that's again mm-hmm. for food or, or or for whatever, for sex or whatever, we're following that unchecked without thinking about the long term effects that it will have upon us. So discipline is the idea of being willing to to limit those cravings for our for our long term good. So he says that's the situation. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, just trying to think this, like, we probably call this just like, well, this is in my nature, my right. human nature. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like this is just this is just who I am. You know, sure. I think about this, you know, <laughs> I'm not trying to say anything about this, but right. I think this is, there were some comedy routines I saw about this, but it was the Enneagram, oh, you right. know, several years ago, and I'm an eight, you know what I mean? Right. So I'm a type A personality, I'm intense, and it's just like, I can, I can be a bull in a china shop. Yeah. I, I, I can fully admit that, and it's just like, well, that's just who I am. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's just this giving it, up. Like it becomes a, I I cannot can yeah. I I can't help but be who I am. It becomes an excuse. Like, I'm an eight. You're saying yeah. Yeah, it becomes an excuse. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, I, I think about that when we talk about the cravings of the flesh. And you're talking about this like this lashing out right. and this because I can be a lasher. Sure. Outer. I'm fully I'm fully aware of that. And so thinking like, you know, it's this contrast. Be saying like this is and we'll talk about this through other things like this is who I truly am or my authentic self is this lasher out and I should just let myself out to the, this, this opposite that Paul's saying like, no, 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 having, um, 
being disciplined yeah. in it. Authenticity is sometimes seen as the highest good in our in our time and in our culture. When uh, when God is calling us to be, what I would say is authenticity is the people that He truly created us to be, which are holy people. And and, and you know, Paul will right. Paul will say something, but, about but that. that might feel yeah. different Absolutely. than what we feel on not the inside. Not what I want. Yeah. It's not what I want immediately. Not what I want. Right. Uh, and, right. And so to be yeah, led yeah. by so the anyway. Spirit is different than that. No, I appreciate that. That's that's good good thinking. So this is a, a phrase that we have to kind of think about. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Wrath has been described as God's, um, uh, again, I always struggle with this word natural or supernatural, but uh, God's... um, uh, normal reaction, or his his reaction against sin, his the holy God reacting against sin. Um, I'll mention Isaiah six again, since I'm in Isaiah in my in my sermons after after. Isaiah has this incredible vision of the holy God, and the seraphim are saying, "Holy, holy, holy, Lord God Almighty." Isaiah's immediate response is, "I go. I am. I am a. I am a man of unclean lips who lives among a people of unclean lips," and he, he's immediately aware of his sinfulness in response to the holy God. And wrath is kind of that idea that that God is going to have this this. Uh, repulsion is not even the right word, but I don't even know how to describe it. But he 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 has this reaction against sin because of his character and his nature as such. It, it's the rest of the universe is is created to be a reflection of that, and and those parts of the universe that are in rebellion against his good character and his good nature. His response is what is what is called wrath. Uh, it's not. Here's where I think we sometimes we have this idea of wrath as kind of anger. You mentioned lashing out in the same way that we express anger, right? Right. Uh, I've said before one of our biggest problems I think with God is we just think about Him as a big person, and and, and wrath is justified. It is. It is. It because He is the standard of what is right and wrong. Uh, sometimes I describe it, and this is impersonal. So this is the only problem with this analogy. Any analogy breaks down right eventually. But uh, I've tried to describe this um, like two two poles of a magnet that we try to put together, and you know, and and they repel each other. I said, except you know, God is the holy creator God, and so it's like He's this yeah. super electromagnet and we're these tiny little, you know, maybe child's magnets. And so, you know, when we turn ourselves opposite of his character and his nature, that that force of repulsion is a way to think about his wrath. Again, he's he is personal. It's not impersonal. And so our sin is also... You know, as David said, my sin is against you, O Lord. You know that we are we are rebelling against His good, perfect character. That we were we were created to be bearers of His image, and when we do opposite of that, then then we are we are in rebellion to Him. And so that's that wrath yeah, is the name, and that's that that's separation. Absolutely, you know, it's a separation. As we look at you know at, in Revelation, it's eternal separation. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's 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 the magnet. Like, yeah. there's no flipping the magnet again. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's. You know, yeah. it push away, and that's the you know that's that's when you talk about separation. That is death. That is spiritual death. Is to be mm-hmm. separated from God. To be separated from the source of our life, from our creators. So, verse four, 
Now, the NIV is not wrong the way the NIV does this, but I think that they kind of, they miss the strength of what's going on here. So Paul's been describing the state so far. Let, let's stop just a moment and let you tell me, Ryan, kind of think about how do you describe, so so he talks about death and wrath and uh, spiritual, you know, this, these spirits of the air and all this kind of stuff. How would you kind of in very, very concisely summarize kind of the, the image that Paul's giving us here? No pressure. Yeah. Um, don't get it wrong. That yeah. uh, what's he trying to say? Like you've, I don't know, made alive in Christ. <laughs> that, <laughs> okay. that you know that there's the world pushing against you, and you've been right. you've been brought to something that you could have not brought yourself okay. to before. Yeah. So so to this point, he's been talking about kind of, and I told you he's he 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 says we are in Christ. The beginning of of Ephesians one. Here he's talking about we're dead in, in our transgressions and sin. We're we're rebelling against God. And then he says this in verse four, and in the Greek, the, this sentence begins with, but God, and then it describes who God is. And, and I'm going to read the way the NIV has it here, but then I'm going to kind of change it around a little bit so I can kind of get this force. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. So, so here's kind of the way it really is, but God, uh, you know, because of his great love and the one who is rich in mercy, right? And I understand why they did it. It 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 works better in English, but but here's the point: is he's saying here was our situation. We were objects of wrath, but God, uh, because of his love, uh, the one who is rich, and you see that idea of riches again, that who is rich mm-hmm. in mercy. Mercy is this idea of. Um, you know, having having favor towards someone who is not necessarily deserving of favor, uh, of of feeling, uh, you know, again a sense of uh, compassion towards someone, um, because of His great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive. So, so the the subject of the sentence here is God, but God, and, and the the sentence has made us alive in Christ. Those other two phrases there are ways to describe Him. It is because of his great love that he's done this. Again, we talked about this before. Paul's kind of trying to get this all out, right? It's it's like it's all kind of coming out in a rush. And so that's why we kind of slow down and take a look at it to really get this image of what he's painting. We were we were in a difficult, well, not difficult. We were dead, right? We were, we were in the sense of being out, absolutely separated from God. But God made us alive with Christ. Now, here's the cool thing uh, as well. He made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions, okay? So not because of our goodness, and this is going to be a point Paul drives home again and again, not because of our goodness, but um, he he made us alive even in our transgressions. Uh, While we were still enemies is the way that Paul says it in in Romans. There's this idea that God's action in Christ on our behalf is not because we've turned aside from our rebellion, right? But it's in, when we're in the midst of this rebellion that, that God has acted. And that's really what grace is. Uh, grace is not that we have been good enough. Um, it, it, it's this It's this idea. So it, it, it's this idea of what he has done on our behalf, I guess, is how, how I should finish this. Now, I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to go back and do some other stuff. So let me let me read here for just a little bit. Um, but God, who's uh, because of his great love for us, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we are dead in transgressions. And then Paul, I'm going to say, inserts this kind of um, statement that doesn't really fit the rest of the sentence. It is by grace you've been saved 
right? And, and, and the reason I say that is down in verse eight, he's going to say this again. <laughs> he's going to, he's going to repeat himself. Okay. And, and, uh-huh. and he's actually interrupting a pretty cool um, image here that he's given. But I think the idea it's, it's, you were talking, you use this image in our bonus episode that you said it's kind of like a preacher, right? Who's, who gets on a roll and it's just, everything's trying to come out mm-hmm. at the same time. And so, so here's this idea is he's saying, you know, he, he, this idea of God, because of his great love for us, he's rich in mercy in Christ has made us alive. You know, he's just so excited about this. Uh, even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace that you've been saved, right? In, in other words, this is totally what God has done on our behalf. And, and this is this is how we've been saved. So I don't want to spend too much time on this because we're going to come back and talk about it in verse eight. So I guess all I'm trying to say, but I think I think Paul's kind of interrupting himself here. Uh, you know, he's kind of mm-hmm. you know he's it's all rushing out, uh, and it's good. I mean, I think it gives us a sense of that excitement and that you know how excited we should be when we think about the grace of God that has um, taken us from being objects of wrath into being uh, you know everything that we have in Christ that we saw in the beginning of Ephesians one. Uh, you know, children of God, um, you know, having the seal of the Holy Spirit, you know, being, being, you know, his belonging to him, his treasured possession, all these different things that we see. But let me go. I want you to show you, I want to show you these three words because they, they, they go along with something we also did in that bonus episode too. And I want to see if you, if you can catch this, I'll see if you can do this. So get, get ready. You got to really look for this, Ryan. See if you okay, can catch I'm this. I'm on it. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to take away the descriptions of who God is and just kind of focus on that subject in the main sense. But God made us alive with Christ. Uh, even when we were dead in our transgressions, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So what do you notice in that, in what I just read there? Do you notice anything? Uh, this goes back to God's great power, how he raised yeah. Christ by his great power, seated yes. him at his right hand and in the heavenly realms. Ryan, let you get an A-plus for the day. I'm a genius! <laughs> That's awesome, uh, and we just so you, just so the listeners at home. I have leveled up. <laughs> <laughs> we did not prepare that ahead of time, but it's exactly no. right. So now here's the cool thing. Here's the cool thing I think is going on. When you see this idea that the, that he talks about the spirit that's at work within us that that uh, also had the it was his incredible power, incomparable power that raised Christ from the dead. So so we were dead. And we've been made alive in Christ. Now, here's the here's the interesting thing. Again, that death is kind of a metaphor, right? That we're spiritually dead, but now we've been made alive. We've passed, this is John's phrase, we passed from, or Jesus' phrase in John, I should say, we passed from death to life, right? We've we've moved um, from one one status to the other, and, and we've been made alive. But then furthermore, we've been raised up with Christ, and, and also this idea that we have been seated with him in the heavenly realms. So if you think about Jesus' resurrection, what happened after his resurrection was his ascension that we talked about. Mm -hmm. And God gave him then um, sovereignty over all of creation, right? And and over even the powers and dominions. And and then he he seated on the throne, right? That that's mm-hmm. that's that that three step thing. Now the, it's really interesting because it, it, I'm not going to try to say these words in Greek, but Paul uses three words in Greek, three three um, 
verbs in Greek that all begin with this idea of with. Uh, soon is the is the Greek word for with. So, so he made us alive with Christ. He raised us up with Christ, and he seated us with Christ. So it's it's these three verbs that kind of have that same kind of sounding at the beginning. It's what I want you to imagine, and that's what he interrupts with that. Uh, you know, we have been uh, we have been um, uh, you know by saved by grace, right? In the middle of that, he yeah. just can't he can't get across that. But here's the amazing thing. So these are all. Um, and by the way, it's perfect. Well, you don't care about this, but it's perfect tense that we've been saved. But these others are 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 yeah, I don't care. Right. <laughs> are simple past tense. It's interesting. He's saying these are things we already have. We've already been made alive. We're already raised up, and we're already seated with Christ. And and here's the way I would think about this. So so what did he say in all of all of the first part of Ephesians one is we are in Christ. And so there's a way in which this has already happened for us. Because we're in Christ, and it's already happened with Him. Okay, you see, see what I'm saying? So in Christ, along, so riding his coattails. (laughs) Well, yeah, we, yeah, we're in Him, right? We are, we are, right, in Him. We're not riding the coattails; we're in Him, (laughs) right? But, but that, yeah, that's that kind of an idea. He has been raised from the dead. He has been ascended to the right hand of the Father, which again shows His power and His dominion, His authority, seated on the throne, and we're right there, as you said, with Him in, in in all those things. And I, I just love that image. I love the way that Paul, I think, gets that mm-hmm. gets that across. And again, what incredible, what an incredible thing he's saying about us uh, in, in all of this. Yeah, I like that parallel between two six and God writes us up with Christ yeah. and seated with Him. To back to uh, one, uh, what is it? One, uh, one twenty. Yeah, one twenty. One twenty one. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's just that parallel yeah. between what he did in Christ and what he's and that's, doing. I think Paul's intending for us to see that. I think I, I just want to make sure we pay attention to, to that. And I know we're kind of breaking these down into small sections. That's why it's always important for us to go back and remember how these fit together. Because, you know, again, if, if this was being read, as you mentioned, in a public uh, setting, those things would have come yeah. right on the other and they would have been, they would have heard that. They would have gone, oh, wow, yeah, we're, we're connected yeah. with him in this way. That's that, again. That's one thing that I've, I've read some books about, yeah. like the public reading of scripture, yes. like how they would have heard this. And again, we've talked about this a little bit that we and you talked about this is we don't see the whole painting because yeah. we're too close yep. to it. Where where we dissect these sentences, yeah. but kind of going, this is a sermon. This is being read out loud, and like people are going to hear right. this and they're going to make these connections because it's verbally gonna it's going to hit those ears. So let me let me just take a minute to say this is one of those examples I think of how we the tools we use when we do this is I always say to my students read sm- small sections very carefully. So I think when we're reading quickly we can miss some of these little details like that with with mm-hmm. with you know and and those kind of things. Yeah. So we read those things very carefully, but then we also read larger sections of scripture quickly. Those mm-hmm. two in in concert, I think, are the way that we kind of overcome. If we were original hearers, I think it would have been much easier for us. But uh, we do those two things in order to really get both the, the the details, but then also the big picture. We do them both at the same time. So, you know, if you're studying Ephesians, just read through it over and over again, just front to back, and, and just over and over again very quickly. It doesn't take too long if you just read through the whole book of Ephesians. But then also yep. slow down sometimes when you're reading and look at some of these details, like the thing we talked 
talked about last last time with the um, uh, you know he's the head not of the church but he's the head of everything for the church those kind of those kind of things that we may miss if we just reading quickly so let me yeah. let me go back to this so then we we see this and then it says he does this in verse seven in order that in the coming ages there's that word again ages that's the same word uh, that we saw in this present world. So he's talking about the contrast between this present world and the coming ages. Um, he does it so that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Uh, so, you know, in the ages to come that he can show this, this idea of his, his, the riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus, uh, you know, his, his action on our behalf. Now he goes back mm-hmm. here to this very important phrase, and this is not important, unimportant. This is very important for us to understand. Verse eight: For it is this. This is a, one of the most famous verses, probably from the entire mm-hmm. book of Ephesians. Right? We all know this verse: For it is by grace you have been saved. Have been saved is I mentioned perfect tense. Perfect tense in Greek. Um, have saved is what makes it a perfect tense. Uh, this is a perfect passive. Which again, I'm just being. A language geek now, but perfect tense is the idea of something that's been accomplished in the past with continuing effect. So you have been saved, right? And the continuing mm-hmm. effect is that you are you continue to be in this in this salvation. But but notice it is you've been it's by grace you've been saved through faith. So we can say this is the same word. Um, word for faith is the, is the same one that we would use for belief or to believe this kind of an idea in Greek. Uh, so, so because of our, our response, our trust, I, you know, I like the word trust for, for this because we put our trust in him. We've been saved by his grace, you know, not because of something we've done ourselves, but we're pull, fully putting the weight of our, um, of our lives on him. We're trusting in him. This not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. So again, he's making clear this is not something that we have accomplished. It's not like we've been good enough. It's not like um, we we did what was necessary in order to draw near to God. Instead, while we're still in our transgressions, he draws near to us in Christ and, and accomplishes these things for us. It is, it is his gift. The word grace and the word gift, by the way, are very closely related in Greek as well. I should I should mention that uh, charisma and charis are the two words there. Uh, yeah, so I have a question about sure. this, because I think this is one that can kind of cause some controversy. Sure. I've seen cause some controversy. So is, what is, uh, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Is it f- faith, or oh, is right. it the grace by which you've been I saved? think the grace is the gift. Uh, that's the way I would understand mm-hmm. it. The faith is, um, you know, our our response. I would say, and I know that that, that does cause some people concern. Uh, but uh, we've been saved through um, our trust, right? It, not by mm-hmm. our trust. Uh, you know, that's that's not enough to mm-hmm. save us. It's 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 the action of what God has accomplished in Jesus, His faithfulness, uh, and, and then it, it's through. I would say our response, our belief. Uh, this is not gotcha. from yourselves; okay. it is a gift of God. Yeah, does that help or not? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I mean, <laughs> right. I, it's important. To, well, I it's think sometimes you know, faith. again, there's no punctuation sure. in the Greek right. right there, and so I think sometimes I've been around people though where it's like, well, yeah. the faith. Is the gift of God. There are other places. So, there are other places. I think it is clearer than it is here. But uh, and again, mm-hmm. I, I'll say, I'm gonna say this. So yeah, he he's talking about yeah, he's talking about what being saved through grace is the gift, right? 
you know, not 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 just the faith. Right. Anyway, right. we've we've kind of had some of those conversations as we talked about predestination, election, sure. and some Calvinism things yeah, in there. Sure. But that the the faith isn't the the sub the main right. subject here. It's the saved by uh, grace. Now, here's another interesting thing: verses nine and ten when we take them together, not by works, so that no one can boast. And so here we're kind of imagining this idea: it's not it's not that we are doing enough things so that God looks us at looks at us favorably. I think Paul made that clear earlier when he said we were dead in our transgressions when you know he he acted in Christ on our behalf. So it's not it's not because we've done enough good things. It's not because of our works. But then he says he says for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus. There's the another in Christo there. Right? in Christ Jesus, to do good works. So works are not excluded here, but it's not the, it's not the, the works are not the reason for our being in good standing with God. They are the result of our being in good standing with God, that he has created us for this purpose. We're, we're his workmanship is, is the word, or handiwork is the way the 2011 NIV has, has rendered it. And, you know, we've been created by him. We've been knit together by him in a very specific way in order to accomplish good works in, in, in Christ Jesus. We talked about this, it's very similar, I think, to what we said about the, the church's role in, in taking the things that we have received and then um, uh, using those on behalf of others. And I think it's the same kind of an idea here. Yeah. Do you see that time back to one yes. uh, Ephesians 1, 23, the fullness of him, yes. that the church is the fullness of yes. him. And so we're, this is, this is our calling and creation, mm-hmm. yeah. our purpose. And so we've been, church. we've been crafted, if you want to use that word, I don't know what, what word you want to use, but we've been uh, very specially put together in a particular way to be useful to God in in, in his um, in accomplishing these good works. Interestingly, notice it kind of begins here since we started with predestination, which he prepared in advance for us to do, right? Uh, you know, the works mm-hmm. were prepared in advance, that these are the, these are the things that he has called for his people to do uh, long, long ago, right? Not, not something that is, that is brand new, but long ago, these were the works that he had accomplished or he had asked for us to, to accomplish. The last half of chapter two, I don't want to, I don't want to start with now because it's super cool. It's a, it's all about reconciliation and these kind of things. But I will I will kind of, since we're talking about this idea of God's work that we're prepared in advance to do, I will, I will give you just a little bit of a glimpse here that, you know, God's desire was always for his people. And in the Old Testament, when we think about the nation of Israel, his one of the phrases that he used for him, one of, one of them we already saw in Ephesians 1 where he talked about the, that they are his possession. That was one of the ways he talked about them. But another thing that he said about his people in the Old Testament is he wanted them to be a nation of priests. Now, Peter picks up on this and says, now we are that, that nation of priests as the church. But, but the idea there is that he wanted this entire people to be a um, mediator between him and the nations, you know that was his desire from the beginning, and and it is a we call this a vocation that that there are times where Israel did not do as well and and ultimately failed at we could say in a way that Jesus then comes and becomes uh, the fulfillment of that um, vocation and he's the one who does uh, what uh, Israel failed to do and becomes this beginning of this new community of people 
surrounds himself with 12 apostles who then he sends out, right? Uh, and, and this becomes the beginning of this new community, which is to be for all people, which has you know, been God's promise since Genesis 12, at least, um, that one of the descendants of Abraham uh, would be, as Paul says, his seed would would be a blessing to all peoples on the face of the earth. Uh, and so that's that's the idea of what our continuing, our ongoing mission is to be. Yeah, this is great. Okay, Any, anything else yeah, you want to mention, or anything you want to talk about? No, I, I, no, I think it. I love the connections. Yeah, you know, and this is a thing. Uh, you know, I think it's easy for us to read and miss sometimes. Is those parallels again? I've already said this once, right. but the parallels about what, what what God did yeah. with Christ and His power yeah. and what He's done for us. We're in Christ, um, and yeah. even and yeah, and then um, the what the what we're created to do in Christ yeah. Jesus, the handiwork, kind of sure. tying that back into that we are the fullness yeah. of Him. And Absolutely. I think, you know, it's again. I think it's. Um, Seeing kind of this, and I'm not use the word spider web that that right. Paul's got layering these things yep. together that they all work together to create this idea of what what God has done for us and what He's created us right. to do we, and and how we are to to live. In yeah, the world. you might call it a tapestry, right? It's 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 woven together and it it supports one another in order to give us this picture of what God is doing, what He's doing in us, but also what He's doing in the world. And and I'll mention this: us, us, and you again. I didn't spend I didn't spend a ton of time on that, like I probably should have um, this time. Uh, just quickly go back up in verse three. All of us. Uh, also lived among them at one time. So I, th- I think he, he's either saying, and, and th- there are two different ways you can understand this. He's either saying, um, you all in Ephesus and me, Paul, writing these mm-hmm. things together, or not in Ephesus, but in these, all these places. Or he could also be saying, uh, Jews and Gentiles, um, me, Paul, saying as a representative of the Jewish people, and, and you Gentiles. Now, the reason that may be the case is because of what comes next. Um, and the next episode, we're going to see the last half of chapter two. We have this really strong language of unity. Um, I guess the important thing here I would say as well, remember, even when he's using the you here, it's plural. He's talking about his community. Again, when we get this language of salvation, um, you know, all y'all been saved by grace is is what he's saying. You know, it's not mm-hmm. it's not just you know we we begin to as I've said before we think we tend to think of salvation issues as very individual rather than as a community, and um, it's also not only about our relationship with God, but he even we see that with the last part here. Uh, he's prepared us to do good works. In other words, we, it's not just about us, but it's also about how he's he's working in us and through us in order to reach out to the others around us. So part of restoration and part of reconciliation is also being reconciled with one another. Uh, and that's that's right. just kind of to lead the way then for what we're going to talk about next um, next time we're together. Yeah, absolutely. And that ties together with the letter that was sent to Philemon at the same time. Right. It was about reconciliation at the same Which time. I think, so there's a. Yeah. yeah. I mean, first of all, it, that's a part of what the gospel is it's a message about restoration between, uh, of relationships, of, of between people. Uh, but also, that's clearly what's on Paul's mind, I think, as he writes, if he, excuse me, <laughs> Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon, as he writes all three of these, he's talking about um, reconciliation of relationship. Yep. 
Yeah. Well, and that's always something that's important for us to yeah. keep top of mind. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. So I'm excited for where this is going. Good. And uh, this, is, this has been great, Brian. Good. Thanks so much. All right. Talk to you later. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. Next week, we will continue our look at Ephesians, wrapping up chapter two. We hope you'll join us for that. Thanks again for joining us at the table. We will be back Tuesday.